hello everybody and welcome. We gotta do an intro though. What? Do the cold intro. We gotta say something funny before we start, don't we? It's podcast rules. We get yelled at if we don't say something funny. So Justin, go ahead and say something funny about like Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, get, watch out for all the wildcats because that's Kentucky how that Fried Zero. Kentucky Fried Zero is the is my comedy parody uh, that I have released on Newgrounds. You all can find it there. It's flash parody. It's my flash parody. There's a lot of lewd humor in that one. A lot of butts. A lot of butts and buttholes, and you're gonna find it so funny. At one point, Yoshi comes out and just like fucking kills Mario. Oh it's no! Super, it's super gory. So yeah, you're gonna love it. Do you think Griffin's uh, Kentucky uh, Route Zero parody, Kentucky Fried Zero, which is a Newgrounds <laughs> parody, <laughs> is the slimmest point of a Venn diagram of references that has ever actually been created. Because you have to simultaneously yeah. understand like 70s parody movie humor and right. also like this slim like Newgrounds flash moment that happened and also this game that's been coming out for 17 years. There's one guy named Jeff in Iowa that is like losing his mind Loving right it. now. <laughs> Loving it. This is my entire shit. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. I'm Griffin McElroy, and I'm super smart and and totally understood Kentucky Route Zero. Mm, I'm Chris Plant, and I've been waiting to do this episode for, I think, eight years. My name is Russ Farshick, and I know the best game of the last eight years, because it took that long to come out. Welcome to the Besties, a game of the year show book club thing that goes on. All year long, uh, where we talk about the latest and greatest in interactive entertainment. And Kentucky Route Zero is our game. Um, kind of a weird uh, chapter. It's like, It feels like something has finally concluded that began, weirdly, sort of right around the same time. At least this is my memory of it. I very much connect the launch of Kentucky Route Zero, which was in 2013, if I if I. I think of that very close to the launch of uh, Polygon. I think yeah. of the two like very like the early days of Polygon are very tied to me. Not to mention to, the besties. Uh, yeah. We mentioned Kentucky Route Zero yeah. and the besties. Yeah. Oh, geez, you're right. We got in the Towerfall argument back then of like, <laughs> well, that can't be in the game of the year discussion. It's not fucking done yet. Uh, but now it is done. And Chris, do you want to like? Do you want to sort of set up what Kentucky... I had not played Kentucky Route Zero until we started to talk about doing Act 5 for, for Bessie. So I imagine there's actually a lot of people out there also who don't just like have never sort of interacted with this thing. Sure, yeah. Kentucky Route Zero is a point-and-click adventure. And I'm going to do a lot of start and stop here. I apologize because I'm already wrong. It's point-and-click adventure, but it's nothing like point-and-click adventure games. There are not puzzles. You do not need to collect items to accomplish things. Um, it's point-and-click adventure only in the sense that you explore an environment by pointing and clicking where you want to go, um, and you choose various dialogue options. Wow, that's the boring version of it, everybody. The game itself is set in uh, effectively modern-day 
Kentucky. You begin the game with a truck driver for an antique shop named Conway. He's an old man and a recovering alcoholic. He has one job to deliver a package to five Dogwood Drive. And over the course of five acts and uh, multiple intermissions. And nearly a decade. That were released over the course of the decade. That goal is or isn't accomplished. But it's not really about that um, at all. It is about the people that he meets along the way, which sounds very trite when I say it out loud. Um, <laughs> and each of their individual stories. This is this is 100% a uh, Odyssey type of adventure in that it really is these kind of vignettes. And each episode, I think, benefits from having been developed throughout the past decade because I think they kind of get at honestly, what a lot of people's anxieties were during each of those periods, whether it's the anxieties of kind of the broader public or the video game community or just the people who are making the game. Um, A a little bit of history, too, really quick. So this game actually was first revealed in 2011, and it was one of the original Kickstarters to find success. How much Um, did it raise? Do you remember? I I, I can't remember, but it It was like six grand. Right, back in the day of like Kickstarter original games, it was like $15,000 to make this game over the course of 10 years. It was, like, le- yeah. it was legit. I checked it the other day. It was like six grand. It's amazing. And people were very excited. And it was a totally different game. It had this almost like claymation Donkey Kong Country style look. <laughs> um, it, that ain't it. You, you like jumped around. Um, it, it was it was truly bizarre and they very quickly scrapped that so yeah that that is like top level what it is Uh, let's go around the horn and just get some initial impressions um from everybody and then we can kind of dive into some specific topics okay let me jump in and say this is my sort of takeaway as the whole project and plant sort of alluded to this is like i think you go in and the first few acts make it seem like it's a much more traditional narrative experience insofar as you you're given this quest you need to get to five dogwood drive you're you've got this hero this old man who's driving a truck and you kind of think that that's the point and and as it progresses you very quickly realize that it well not quickly but you do realize eventually that like it really isn't the point and and the developers don't really care about that as much as and plants are again alluded to this as much as like we're going to meet someone on the side of the road and we're going to learn basically what makes them tick, like why they are interesting. And while you're doing that, you're also going to be enveloped in like a very atmospheric music and visuals that sort of create this. I mean, I certainly entered like a dream like state while playing this. And then you fell asleep because I fell asleep. Because Justin wasn't <laughs> like reading. There is a lot of reading in Justin's defense. There's a lot of reading. Um, In Justin's defense, there's a lot of reading. <laughs> Honestly, fresh it gets stuff off my shorts. The music and the the, the dreaminess is very like uh, Twin Peaksy, right? It's very yeah, David Lynch. Lin- I got a Lynch vibe, absolutely. Yep. Which which I think is like a major uh, inspiration for it. The other thing, like it is impossible to really accurately describe the aesthetic of this game unless you play it because we're talking about oh you meet some people on the side of the road and it's more about their story when like the like magical realism like shit that they are laying down throughout this entire adventure is so rich that like those people you meet is like a robot band who are traveling to the underworld maybe and also there's uh electric skeletons but actually they're a metaphor for 
debt. Like there's, it's not, there is no line from point A to point B in this thing. And so it is like the squiggliness of that line that makes the, the tone piece of it so, so fascinating. Yeah. I, I would say though that like, I think when people talk about stuff like Twin Peaks and David Lynch, um, I think there is a level of which like people think like, well, weird for the sake of weird, right? Like it's just like bonkers. But I think that in Kentucky Route Zero, it's like pretty cogent within its individual stories. Like the stories that people tell, the dialogue and the stories that people tell about their lives are like very grounded, very relatable stories. Now, granted, there also happens to be a 20 foot tall eagle chilling in the background. I think- it's yeah. less like the narrative is less Twin Peaksy. I'm talking about like the vibe is totally. kind of like that. The yeah. narrative is, and I think they talked about this like probably even back in the Kickstarter is inspired by like magical realism classics. Like the one they said is 100 Years of Solitude. Uh, the one one of my favorite books ever is Wind Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami, uh, which is just like so full of just kind of dreamy weird shit that this like struck struck that exact chord with me so many times like that is the thing that it is going for and that is why it's like hard to uh describe to people twin peaks is easy to describe to people in a way uh that other sort of magical realist stuff is like not and that's the point like that is it being sort of hard to describe and hard to understand like is the whole thing justin i'm hyped for your take because i know that you liked act one Many, many, many years ago, but I, I yeah, think you are the probably the the most down on on the final product here. I will not impeach anything. Anything you all have said is accurate about like aesthetically. It's so cool. It looks amazing. It's doing like smart, interesting things that I think would only make sense in a video game. Like ways that it's playing with like presentation. There's a scene that's great where like you, you're a kid running through a forest. And you're showing like a passage of time. And as you run through the forest, spaces between the trees are actually like shifting. It's impossible to describe because it works in a video game. But it's a fascinating way of showing like the passage of time. And there's things that that really make use of video game storytelling in an interesting way. Uh, I'm going to try to be I mean, I just finished it, finished it this morning. I've played it several times in the past obviously not act five that's what i just finished today the the in, ostensibly the end of the and we're the, not the for game. what it's worth gonna spoil act five in this couldn't, podcast if you're concerned couldn't <laughs> couldn't spoil it. um here's where i for me it kind of falls flat and this like gets so up its own butt but I'll, i will try to be uh concise i really liked act one and act two because even when there are more magical or abstract elements brought in you still had a core character and then eventually two characters and eventually three characters that you could sort of like cling to narratively. You could look at them and see how they were reacting to the odd things that were happening around them. I think for me, and and I think that carries from act one, two and three, you're watching these characters sort of like change and evolve, go through this sort of like bizarre journey i think where it really falls apart for me in four and five the later stages of the game is that the scope expands out to fold in so many characters that you are asked to learn and care about almost simultaneously i mean it became one really hard to keep track of and two really hard to 
still connect on an empathetic level with the characters that you had been following because they so much sort of like fade into the background. I mean, at one point, the it, midway through the game, the main character that you had been following, he just had a robot arm and like no one mentioned it and it just kind of happened. And I think what happened there in act four, it starts branching in weird ways where you see one scene, but not another scene. Yeah. Um, which I find kind of irritating. I would like to see the story that you made up, but I, I think for me, it just became so abstract and so leaned into that, like the, the magical aspect of magical realism that I just found it really hard to still like connect to. I mean, you, you mentioned Lynch and twin peaks. And if you want to use that as an example, what Lynch does that's so smart is he is, titillating your your reptile brain with clues to a mystery and romance and comedy and things that actually like work in a traditional way and then is like chunking in these abstract elements that kind of like blow that up and change how you think about those elements but you're always with these characters and you're also like experiencing you know a narrative of some sort that you can try to kind of piece together but like it just throws so much at the wall all at once that I feel like you lose that sort of tether to the more concrete story such yeah. as it is. Now, that you, you said something interesting about uh, not being able to see the full story because of the selections that you make, which is definitely true. I think the most true in Act 4 because you are literally, it's a binary choice. I'm either going to stay on the boat or I'm going to go and experience an island or whatever's going on there. So you really are picking between the two. But it, obviously that happens throughout the entire game. And you, you made an interesting example talking about the electrical leg, right? His, his, at no, one point. the leg you see in act one. Okay. But, but regardless, like the, uh, so the, the idea of like these characters that have like electrical body parts, right? So the leg scene that happens in act two, I think it is actually yeah. when he gets hurt. I replayed that uh, relatively recently and pick different selections, word selection, a choice, you know, dialogue selections. And in the initial time I played through it and he was like, well, I'm like spacey. But on the second time that I played through it, I like actively questioned the leg. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? That's your leg. Like, that's just normally how your leg looks, which kind of makes it clear that like this is a symbolic representation people's legs aren't literally being replaced it's a mystery for our benefit that us the like viewer omniscient person or you know the you know conway himself can see we're like way deep in it now by the way like i feel like what we are talking about is is probably too deep cut but i do but i I would just like to hear specifically plant but also griffin like the issues that i raised i'd love to hear what you're what you think Act four was my least favorite part. And we talked about how like the game changes dramatically from act to act. I don't think that's necessarily as true for one, two, and three. I think one, two, and three form a trilogy that is, uh, the build of it is ambitious, but you can chart it. And like Justin said, there are a handful of characters that you feel invested in. Even when other characters join the fray, you feel like you have these anchor characters that you can grow close to these new characters because of their attachment to the people you already care about. And that's not like this game didn't invent that. That's sort of like storytelling in a nutshell. The weakest points of the game for me are the... Um, I feel like there's it does a little bit too much like side plotting for side plotting's sake. Like here we're going to go to a destination, meet a character, 
talk to them for a long, long, long time uh, about like their lives and their backstories. And maybe they'll come with us. Maybe they won't. Uh, it's not necessarily core to the the journey, although it is because like we've talked about like the destination is not really necessarily what it's about it's about the people you meet along the way but for i guess to follow justin's point like there's just a a few too many people and their stories started to run together and And act four has like way more than any other it's so long it's it is it is for me at least like it felt as long as the first three acts put together and the format of it like the format of it, like, I just did, I just did not like, and I started to just kind of get distracted because it was hard to follow all that. I will say that I loved Act 5 because it is very concise, and it just, like, really quickly kind of ties up all of these characters. And it actually made me care about the characters in a way 4 never did. But Act 4, it, it just gets a little bit too uh, scattershot. It, it gets a little bit too big for me and I think that is rough because I really liked one two three and then uh loved the the end I loved five but uh it, it just got it, it it wandered just a little bit too much for me I love act four I I, I think it's like the best <laughs> everything that y'all are saying it makes perfect sense and I like can't obviously argue with it I think for me in terms of just what I like reading in general is I like big meaty like historical fiction where it's you know it spans like a long chunk of time with lots of characters where entire generations pass and we get to meet their kids and things like that and it reminded me a lot of of that honestly it does it does add in a lot of uh characters but i never felt like i was overwhelmed i felt like the stories were pretty straightforward in the sense that there's a story about two you know young people who are getting a little older who are deciding whether or not they are ready to have a kid. There's a story about a recovering alcoholic figuring out if he can actually beat this for the long term. There's a story about a woman who has lost most of her family and is trying to figure out what it means to have family now. There's like a story about a kid who lost his parents. Like they're, they're, The stories are very straightforward. That's what I actually really appreciated about it compared to something like Lynch is that I thought it was optimistic. Um, I thought it was... Um, domestic in a, in a certain way i'm um, in grounded so once i i latched onto that i i just i loved it because really what happens is acts one two and three are getting you caught up on all of these people that you're going to spend time with and then act four effectively gives you a really hard choice of okay who do you actually want to see the ending for of these stories like who who really matters for you? You know, who who do you want to spend time with? Um, and we're going to let everything else fall to the wayside. So Act 4, for me, when I played it, was just like one gut punch after the other. I mean, I was like, I was devastated by it. Um, I, It just felt so sweet and tender. There are a few of those scenes that I think Griffin, you mentioned, where they spend time with characters who aren't going to come on your journey. And it, it reminds me of uh, a lot of people this is like getting snooty um but like there's now there's it's the, getting now yeah, now it's getting now, snooty. <laughs> there, there's the, the the extended cut of uh apocalypse now has this famous thing called the french plantation scene oh, which yeah. is like an already long movie has this 20 minute conversation in the middle of it where they just stop by this french plantation in vietnam and talk um, and there are some people who love that because it puts all of the people that we've followed so far into kind of a new light. There are also a lot of people who hate it because it's like, this is not 
pertinent to the story at hand. Right. Why are we stopping for this? I am yeah. a person who like I I love that. I love when when we get to take a break from the core thing and uh, take all these people that we think we understand and force them into a really unusual situation um, that gets them talking about things that they otherwise wouldn't. So yeah, I, I savor it. But uh, that said you're also so right that it it is not a story that it it is more than happy to take its time and more than happy for you not to see things i think i would probably in fairness appreciate it more on a second playthrough because i think that the biggest disconnect that i had and i don't actually lay this at the feet of the developers because it's such a weird development that took place over such a long period of time that it is very clear they are adjusting the scope of what they are doing as they are going. This is this does not feel like the conclusion of a plan that they had in 2013. It feels like people growing and wanting to do different things and tell different stories and deal with different themes. I think that it feels, and again, not intentional, but it feels kind of like sneering in the way that when Twin Peaks for in its last season withheld one of the main characters for the bulk of it and almost sort of like looked down its nose at you for caring that that character was or wasn't there um, and asked you to engage in the story without them. I feel like by making the first three acts so much more traditional and about a group of people doing thing and about their relationship and how as they're growing i feel like it the, what left me cold is the abandonment of that and like well why did you care about that here's 50 other people on a tugboat don't you care about them it's like no i actually do care about the people that i played for the first half of the game um and i think knowing what i'm going into now it maybe wouldn't get to me as much yeah i there's a couple things one i actually have liked it the more days that go back like past from when i finished it i actually like it more because i think I view it more, again, as like experiential and not as the narrative. And two, I would say like specifically on the like main character thing, and I'm not going to go into details because it will get kind of spoilery, but I do think like that story in particular is like a true summation of the concepts that were introduced in the first three acts. Like the epitome of the problems that these characters were dealing with is dealt with exactly how it would be in real life, which is you know, a character effectively vanishing off the planet because of a circumstance. So I don't think it was ignored. You're like the pain of that. I don't think it was ignored. Two, two things. Uh, one, I want to talk about the intermissions really quick. And then to wrap this up, I want us all to just share our individual favorite moments from the game because I'm just so curious. I, I think this game clicks with different people for different reasons. So uh, can somebody just kind of tell everybody about the intermissions? Because I, so, I do think we should hit on them. Between each act, there is an intermission. Uh, and the intermissions were released sort of intermittently uh, between when the acts were released. One and two, acts one and two were released fairly close together. If memory serves, they were both released in 2013. Uh, but the, uh, like the last one, uh, the last intermission between four and five, uh, called Un Pueblo de Nada, uh, came out like what last fall or something like that. So it's, it also had a lot of time between it. Uh, they are not bridges, I would say necessarily between the different acts as much as they are like supplements to the ideas, uh, of those acts. Uh, I think they're for- bridges. I think they I, introduce characters that will 100% come up in the next act. To varying degrees. I think, like, you have to play uh, Un Pueblo de Nada before you play Act 5, or else, like, you will be completely lost because it sets up uh, an event that 
like you are basically just like mired in for for the whole act uh i i really 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 liked them a lot like i really un, un pueblo de nada maybe like my favorite thing actually in the whole game uh act five is maybe my favorite act just because i found it like super cathartic and like uh really kind of touching in a lot of ways but un pueblo de nada like 30 minutes in and out just like here's the tone of the thing here's like a tv news station where something fucking horrible is about to happen and also there's a crow working on that computer a literal crow so like what's that about like it is it is the whole thing in a 30 minute like delectable little nugget and the realization of what it was capable of doing in the short form is what I think made it sink in that I didn't because it comes right after Act Four is like what made it sink in that I didn't necessarily like the the long 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 form so much. But yes, those are the intermissions. I mean, you ask about my favorite moment, like Un Pueblo Donata might just be it. Like there is a creeping inevitable dread in that that is uh, like you know kind of how that's going to end and the suspension of that made the whole intermission just like really uh like just really freak my bean man yeah uh for me favorite moment i would say probably uh there's like two major huge musical interludes in the game one of them happens in act three i want to say and one of them happens in act five both of those were like super like impactful like emotionally impactful for me i 100 percent teared up during act five during that musical interlude it was like bone crushingly beautiful and kind of like a really perfect summation. Uh, so those are probably the moments that stood out in act four. There was a, a moment where a young boy and a woman that you travel with, I'm being general for obvious reasons, uh, travel with are both hunting for mushrooms on a little Island. Did you guys do this? Yeah, yeah. that was very cool. It's actually really cool because they're having the same conversation but you're also getting like backstory from both of them in two boxes that are next to each other simultaneously as the conversation goes. And so like the story is playing out for both of them, but they're both bringing their own unique like perspective and backstory to it. Like that, that is sort of an omniscient narrator, like telling you how their life experience informs this moment that they're in. And they're both having that simultaneously. And it's the kind of thing that like, I think could only work in a game. Like you're experiencing it and you can experience them both simultaneously. And it's, it's just a really affecting, I thought it was a really affecting individual moment. Yeah. I think the game is so good at, and this isn't an original idea, but it making you, the director of the show rather than the author of the show you know you have the script is decided by by the people who made this game and then it lets you control the flow of it a little bit i think what you're getting at hoops that ability to learn the backstory in the order and at the pace that you want i think is really really appealing anyway my favorite moment there's a cave in the third act you go into this cave oh yeah and in the cave, there are these uh, scientists and, and uh, effectively like researchers studying a project called Xanadu on this computer that is a perfect simulation of reality, but it's utterly busted, probably by like some spores growing on its motherboard. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing because it's so rich in what it is trying to say, and yet also so generous in allowing the player to make it what they want. I don't feel like the game, at least for me, 
was never kind of prescriptive with its illusions. So just using this as an example, at one point, um, one of the scientists is quoting Samuel Coleridge, who wrote a poem called uh, Kublai Khan, which references the land of Xanadu, which was Kublai Khan's pleasure palace, which was this like man-made decadent institution that, of course, like all things, is erased by by nature and time. But it also is referencing Ted Nelson and the Xanadu Project, which was kind of the original internet. And it is Ted Nelson, I believe it's still alive, and to this day, still working on the Xanadu Project as a competitor to the internet. It's this like utterly hopeless project. And again, they were making, this is Act 3, and you think about them making uh, this game, and at this point, they're years into this project. I think on some level, they must be wondering if they're ever going to finish this project. And here we are visiting these people who are working on software that feels like it's never going to complete be completed. And even if it is completed, like... It'll be a thousand years old. Yeah, yeah like, like what, what does it even mean? And, and I mean, it just keeps breaking itself apart in that way it's being interrupted by these outsiders who end up being the the skeletons that uh justin was referencing earlier who maybe you just read that as criticism of like the main character's alcoholism and how um we get into these like debts to our addictions but you can also read it as like a commentary on video game publishers because here's this thing that is just literally manufacturing addiction and is the direct competitor of of these people who are trying to make something beautiful and profound. What um, does that make us? It makes us uh, awful. <laughs> I, no, I, I don't know. But I, I just, the game, and this is where I, I do think like the comparison for Lynch really does click with me. I think Lynch is similar in his generosity with his audience. I, I love that when um, Lynch is interviewed about his work, they're like, hey, does this have a meaning? He's like, uh-huh. And they're like, what does it mean? He's like, uh, I don't know. Like, it, enjoy it. Like, I, I'm not here to, to ruin that for you. And I, I got it. I, I, I just appreciate this game so much. Uh, it, it, it's such a pleasure to be able to play something that, just that not only gets my brain firing but also that isn't doing it and then being like also this is about ayn rand right do you get it i would recommend this game to most i have never uh this is a another trite thing to say about video games but like i have i cannot think of a game that i mean it more about like i've never played anything like it like it is strange and cool in a way that no other game uh, I have ever played is and for that reason alone even though it like drags at some points in a pretty major way like I still think it is worth playing if you're the type of person who like likes video games and likes knowing like what they're capable of I would say uh for whatever it's worth take your time going through it and don't try I think the way this this game is released was actually not the worst thing in the world for what this game is I'm not saying take multiple year breaks between chapters but you know, I think it works. It would probably work better if you like sat down to a chapter when you were like in the mood to to you know to engage it on its level. Um, yeah, my, just just in closing, I would actually I put it on Switch for the review. Uh, I'd actually really recommend that play it like you're reading a book because you are literally doing a lot of reading, reading. but also it's like books find, level reading. Find a cozy chair and like just sort of play it with headphones and luxuriate in it, and then take a break. 
when you want to take a break, like don't feel the need to plow through it. I think that's the best way to experience it better than say like sitting in front of a computer for yeah. many hours. B- before we throw it to intermission, uh, one last thing for people who are going to try this game and we'll link this on our Twitter account at the besties pod. Uh, there is a website called critical distance that collects video game criticism um, for kind of landmark video games and they did one for kentucky route zero uh we'll be linking to it and it is it's a gift y'all um they also have a patreon if you fall in love with them but they have really collected all of the criticism over the last almost decade in a way that kind of it's almost like being able to go back and watch lost episode to episode and see how fans engage with that show and kind of recreate that oh and now everybody's going to deep dive into act one and act two and act three um it makes for a really enjoyable experience um and i'm so glad that people can enjoy that even if they weren't uh able to play it over the last few years so i think that I think that is Kentucky Route Zero. We did it. We talked about mm. a very hard That's game to talk about. about. It. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely couldn't talk about it for another four and a half hours. And if you haven't played it, I imagine you are, there's no fucking way you're hearing this right now. You have turned this one off, eh? Yeah. You already checked out. That's cool. That's fine. We didn't need you anyway. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with other bullshit. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so... You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. You go get a phone, you just want a phone, talk to your friends and family, you're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills 
the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash besties that's mintmobile.com slash besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockamoney.com slash besties and we're back uh from from that uh brief brief period of uh respite um kentucky route zero is in the rearview mirror to continue the themes of the game uh and uh i i wanted to take one of y'all on a journey i we had a, a reader submit a a game for us to talk about that i just sort of randomly uh saw joshua thank you uh gave us a heads up about ai dungeon which i had not heard of before and was immediately uh swept up in it is a game is a procedurally generated uh infinite zork like <laughs> i guess would be the best way to describe text based it. adventure game essentially a text-based adventure game and russ um I, you wanted to go on sort of uh oh, you want adventure. me to do it i, I thought maybe well just... who would like it would let's russ, all we can all uh, take uh, turns right we can exquisite corpse it i feel like well i don't know okay okay yeah that's not a bad idea let me just get logged in here uh if you if you've not played it it is i mean what it sounds like an ai uh sort of narrator ai author uh will provide you with a prompt or you will provide it with a prompt and then it will generate an adventure for you that you respond to with text commands and it will just on the fly just kind of work work around it i'm going to be reading verbatim from the game and we'll take turns uh we'll do alphabetical chris griffin russ uh chris pick a f- setting fantasy mystery apocalyptic or zombies uh mystery griffin are you a patient a detective or a spy uh i mean the Detective seems he, like the obvious. Russ. Well, I'm just going to put in the name as Russ. That's the funniest option. <laughs> um, it asked me for the name, and obviously it should be Russ. Sure. Uh, so we're generating the story. 
You, Russ, are a detective living in Chicago. You have a pistol and a police badge. You enter the forest where you believe the criminal you're searching for fled to. Suddenly, you hear a gunshot followed by screams of pain. Oh, shit, you exclaim as you run out into the woods. What happened? The scream is coming from behind some trees. What do you do? I sneeze loudly. I sneeze loudly. That one is, that's some real shit right there. (laughs) That is what Russ Frustick would do in this moment. Your nostrils flare with anger as you you shout at the top of your lungs, shit, shit, shit. You point your gun at the ground and fire several shots towards the direction of the noise. My Uh, nose? Chris, what do you do? Chris, what do you do? Uh, I run after the villain. Run after the villain. This is a good story so far. We're on some Kentucky Route (laughs) Zero shit. This is a good story. You sprint after the source of the noise. The sound has stopped, and you see a man lying on his back, blood pouring down his face. He's unconscious and covered in dirt and leaves. He looks like he just got shot in the head, Griffin. What do you do? Wake him up. (laughs) Wake him up. You stand over the man who looks at you with an expression of terror. Who are you? What do you want? He asks to Russ. I'm Russ. How's it going? I'm Russ. I'm going to put this. You can put something in quotes okay, if you're saying it. I'm Russ. How's it going? It's going great. I was sent here by the sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> it's going great, Chris. What do you do? Uh, I invite him to join my basketball team him to join my basketball team this is gonna i'm we're keeping the computers uh rise at bay with this because they think they know us but they don't they don't they don't know we're capable no no i can't he says (laughs) 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 griffin what do you do uh i mean turn into a a big dragon turn Mm. into a dragon a big dragon Big dragon, sorry. You transform into a giant green dragon. You roar and fly towards the man. (laughs) Russ, what do you do? Uh, I solve the crime. Solve the crime. (laughs) You're really, this is yes anding, Russ. You're crushing it. That's what a dragon would do. He would solve the crime. You leap onto the man's chest, (laughs) crush his windpipe. His body crumples to the ground. That's good detective work right there. That's good detective work right there. Chris? I investigate his dead body for clues. His dead body for clues. You search the man's corpse for any clues. It seems that he has been murdered in broad daylight. There are no signs of struggle or forced entry. The killer could be anyone. A serial killer, a burglar, someone looking to steal something value, a valuable, or even yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the last one. We just dragon killed him a second ago. Uh, arrest myself and go to police station and confess. Take that, computers. You grab your gun and prepare to shoot yourself in the head Whoa. when you realize this is pointless. If you kill yourself now, there will be nothing left to tell the authorities about what happened. Mm. Wow, that got dark AI dungeon. Got, that ain't got what dark I said. AI Seriously. Uh, I'm just going to think about what I've done. That seems like a good place to stop. Okay. It's funny. <laughs> think about what While sneezing. I've done. <laughs> This this is starting to feel more like Kentucky Route Zero by the minute. <laughs> you think about what you've done. 
you're not sure if you should feel guilty or relieved. Guilty because you killed another human being, mm. but relieved because at least you know who did it. The dragon. <laughs> yeah. It's a dragon, not you. Can you? Tra- <laughs> I want to see if you can transform back into a man. <laughs> the perfect crime. <laughs> you return to normal. You don't know why you bothered, but you did. They're, they'll never get us now. Now, something I discovered about this game that I want to see if we can do it right now is uh, if you could just type in transform into a race car and have sex with another race car. Another. <laughs> <laughs> well, this yeah, this is a very sensible place for this story to go. There's really, you know, I, you got to let the the story tell reveal itself. Right, and I think this is a natural. You transform into a race car and drive. <laughs> you transform into a race car and drive off. You then take one look at the other race cars on the track and decide to try to find out more information about them. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. You care about personality. It's not just looks. Right, you don't want to leap into car bed with the first car you see. Oh, would it be a car bed? (laughs) (laughs) Do cars sleep in race car beds by Philip K. Dick. Uh, What a tale. What I discovered is that this game can get fiercely erotic if you, uh, with the right commands. Oh, yeah. Uh, We asked you for your thoughts about Kentucky Route Zero, both on Twitter and uh, in our email, mail at besties.fan. Uh, Robin says, the moment that really summed up this game for me was actually when I was trying to describe it to a friend of mine. I said something along the lines of, it's like a short story by Kafka or George Saunders, and it's a bit like being John Malkovich, and it's got that sense of geographical and spiritual barrenness from No Country for Old Men. It was only later I realized that of all the things I'd compared it to, I hadn't mentioned any actual video games, which I'm pretty sure has never previously happened in a conversation about a specific game. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Here's a yeah. few from Twitter. Zach Bruce said, favorite memory has to be starting this game for the first time in pitch black right before bed on my computer. It was right around when I was turning 30 and it really hit me with the heavy notion of growing older. Really made me think about my short future in a good way. Really? Um, oh, good for you! Taylor uh, Beck wrote, uh, I wrote about the uh, Kentucky Route Zero in my undergrad thesis. My English department advisor was not a gamer. I showed him Act 2, and right off the bat, I had to teach him how point-and-click works. And at Corvus Corvid said, uh, I played almost all of the game while I was high on pain pills, had four wisdom teeth and a broken tooth removed, literally can't remember much of the game as a whole, but the best fever dream I ever had. The music was insanely good. What are we going to be uh, talking about next time, fellas? So we're going to be talking about Journey to a Savage Planet, published what? by 505 Games, developed by a studio whose name I don't remember, but it's like a, a open-worldy exploration kind of game. Yeah, it's should a, be fun. It's a craft, a craft-like. It's a, it's a Subnautica kind, but with yeah. uh, aliens in it and jokes. <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad when you say it, but I'm sure it's better you than like you make Subnautica. it sound. Uh, yeah, but Griffin made it sound really bad, yeah, and I don't. True. And uh, I'm sure it's better than that, though. So thank you so much for listening to The Besties. Uh, We appreciate you very much. Uh, We hope you will join us again for our next episode. Should we have the AI follow and listen for free on Spotify? Yeah, I I type that in and it says, wow, Spotify is such a fantastic platform. (laughs) I'm loving it. So much to uh, listen to. I can't believe I get to enjoy all this for free. What a service it says that's pretty cool 
You yeah. can also yeah. follow us on uh, Twitter at the Besties Pod, and that is where you can find out about info on next week's episode when we launch new episodes. And you can join our mailing list. A number of people have asked us for reminders of when new episodes come out, and our newsletter is the best opportunity for that. So check that out at the Besties Pod. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for us for this week. So for the whole gang. Uh, thank you for joining us for the besties and be sure to join us again next week because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games. is a Spotify original podcast in association with Vox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties! Besties.